Let's turn to Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. Likely not an unfamiliar passage to you that we'll just be stepping off with this evening. Paul speaking to those Roman saints and to us many, many generations later as we take part in this writing, uh, this grand book of Romans here, but part of it that we consider often, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, where Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or justifiable or absolutely, well, it should be expected service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's bow our heads together and ask the Lord to bless this lesson tonight. Father, we do thank you, Lord, as Brother Jim prayed just a moment ago for the finished work at the cross. Father, I thank you for what Jesus did at Calvary, paying that burden, paying that price, Lord, for the burden of our sins. I am grateful for this, Father, but I'm also grateful that it also paid the way for us to be continually drawn nearer to you. It made us capable of walking after you and receiving more and more as we draw nearer to him. I ask, Lord, that you'd help us to be those living sacrifices that Paul speaks of here. Help it to be something made new yet again, Father, as we consider it tonight. Open it up to us, Father, and help us to be willing to submit, to yield, to humbly and happily yield to you and what you're trying to do for us, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, I, I, most, most that have spent much time in the Word uh, have probably come across this passage. If you haven't, look it over and consider it. It means what it means. It's not, it's not a difficult concept to consider, but it is perhaps a little bit more difficult in application to present ourselves, just as it says, present our bodies, these bags of bones and meat that we are, presenting them to the Lord as a living sacrifice, something that is not laying on an altar literally, but presented to Him just as Surely, just as dedicatedly, just as completely, humbly and submittedly and submissively and all of those ivlies that a lamb would be laid out there uh, as an altar sacrifice before the Lord, just given entirely over to him. Um, it, it doesn't stop there at that verse, of course. It went on in the second verse. And part of our offering these bodies, as a matter of fact, a very important piece of being able to offer these bodies as a living sacrifice. We can't do it if our minds aren't right, if our minds aren't set to also be sacrificed, offered to Him. Uh, verse 1 says we need to offer our physical selves. Verse 2 speaks of offering our mental selves to be transformed by the renewing, or interestingly enough, the renovation of our minds. As Anna made that prayer request a moment ago, I thought, oh, we're talking renovation tonight, so this will be near and dear to them. They'll be just meditating on this tomorrow while hammers are swinging and, and all that sort of thing. It's a remodel, uh, you might say. The renovation of our minds. Um, be transformed by that renewing, that renovation, that remodeling, the reconstruction even at times. It has some varying uh, angles and varying facets to this term, but it all applies, all of those things. That being said, our minds are what control our body's behavior. So if we're going to be a living sacrifice with these physical bodies of ours, our minds have better be 
Well, renovated and renovated well. Remodeled well as remodeling is needed. Or just simply maintained. And we're going to kind of consider all of those things tonight. Now, I find it interesting. As Paul is speaking here, it's definitely his words. We talked about context and what motivated and inspired those ones who wrote the word. We talked about that this morning and what David's context was. Paul had his context with the Romans, certainly. But these are the words of God for us. Inspired word for our admonition and our teaching. God wants to remodel our minds. God wants to re-renovate our minds. He wants to shape and continually work on these things as needed. And our minds there, if you get into the Greek, and I'll just give you a list of words actually from a number of different dictionaries that I have access to as far as the Greek goes. It means our intellect. Let me say it this way. God desires to remodel or renovate Our intellect, our understanding, our judgment, our perceptions, opinions, sentiments, thoughts, conceptions, states of mind, feelings, determinations, all of those things that are involved there. He wants to keep those things current, modern, not modern as far as the world's thoughts. Obviously, it says don't be conformed to the world. Don't be impressed and pushed into the mold. Remember those Play-Doh molds? I hadn't touched Play-Doh until I became a grandpa. I hadn't touched Play-Doh for a long time and then found myself really getting into Play-Doh. <laughs> Play-Doh again. You can't sculpt Play-Doh. You can't do anything nice as you can with clay and get real detailed. No, you just have to stick it in something, push, and have hair come out. You know, just cylinders and that kind of stuff. But you know what I'm saying? When I'm saying you conform, you mash something in there and you make a shape. Ah, oh, man, God's people. God's people so often want to mash ourselves into the shape that the world would have us to be in. And he tells us, don't do that. Don't conform yourself. Don't put yourself into the shape. Don't put yourself under the sander of the world and let it shape you into what it dictates we should be. I'm preaching to the converted here, certainly, I imagine. But we're called to be transformed, changed, uh, moved, remodeled again as the Lord wants us to. We're supposed to be transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus. And there needs to be changes that takes place as we go. Um, doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how experienced you are. You're not complete. I know you're not. Because, well, I think it's safe to say you're still here. So there's still something that the Lord has for you. Something that the Lord's doing in you. You aren't completed yet. So we're going to consider that from that perspective tonight. That renovation and that remodeling that the Lord is doing for us and in us. I don't know if you watch Fixer Upper. I don't know if Chip and Joe mean anything to you. That was a firehouse staple. You know, it was either the Terminator or Chip and Joe that was on the TV at any given time. You know, I preferred when it was Chip and Joe, I'll be honest. But, you know, they take a house, they buy this house, or they wouldn't buy it. Someone else would buy it, and they'd go in there and they'd completely gut it and change it into something that went from uh, a dump, perhaps, into something that's. Wow, knock your socks off. Awesome. That's what the Lord is trying to do. An extreme home makeover that takes place here. And here, you could say. Let's talk about how we should feel about this tonight. There's some serious remodeling to, be, to begin with. There was some serious remodeling already has taken place in you if you've accepted the Lord Jesus for yourself. Titus is another place that Paul was talking, well, this sort of thing. He spoke individually to this man, Titus. And it applies to us as well. He made sure that he knew, listen, there has been some work already done at the cross. There was already, as soon as you believed on that for yourself, the Lord did a remarkable change in you. Something that, well, outside of the victorious finish of the child of God, that overcoming work that takes us from mere salvation to 
fully overcoming, closest to him, well, there's no other thing that you might compare the change that is passing from death unto life. But that's what happened with us. Titus chapter 3 and verse 4. When the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, Galatians, there's a little hallmark for you guys as you're doing your Wednesday night study, but according to His mercy, not works of righteousness that we have done, not law-keeping, not anything else, but according to His mercy, that moment we said, I'm a sinner, you're the Savior, be my Savior. Ask me. Be my Savior. Redeem me. He said, yes, I'll do it. According to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. There was a remodeling that took place in our hearts right then. There was a, something that took a dump of a heart that was absolutely not anything fit for the Son of God to reside in. And it made it clean. And it made it something occupiable by the King of Kings. That's a remarkable remodeling job there. Whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So, spiritually, it goes without saying, that's quite a difference. Night and day, you could say. Death, life, that's quite a renovation. So we've started off well. Um, I'm appreciative of the new creation that we've been given. It's a vast difference from the old creation that still remains there. But as we consider often, always warring, always going against one another. But regardless, that old creation is old. That old creation is put aside. And the new creation is who we are after we have accepted. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and you are if you have believed on him for yourself, he is a new creation. If you have believed, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Passed away, they're dead to us. No longer have to have any kind of influence. No longer have to have this... Well, we don't have to be guided by the flesh, by that old creation. We allow it to, certainly. But we don't have to be guided by it. We're not under its well, under its rule, we had no other option before we knew the Lord Jesus but to sin. Uh, even in our seemingly good things, even in our natural and mundane things, even those things outside of the will of God, when those things aren't done with the blessing and the presence and the power and the, the fellowship with the Lord, it's sin, it's worthless, it's valueless, there's nothing there. For in Christ, however, ah, that remodeling has begun and we have become a new creation. We're a new house, a new home to the Lord. And so it is. So it is that we've already well become a starter home, I guess you could say. A starter home for the Lord Jesus. That sounds really stupid. But you know what I'm saying? It's a metaphor, right? A starter home. But guess what? We're able to remodel. We're able to refresh, we're able to update things, we're able to renovate things, we're able to maintain things and keep them operating and improve those things. This house can be something that grows and expands and has deeper capacity and well, place there with some time and with some energy. We see it there in verse 2 of our passage. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. The old man can grow if you feed him. Keep him around. Uh, when, we were, when we were in Paraguay, we weren't supposed to feed the stray dogs that were there. Um, I have two women in my house, and two women came with me. 
that didn't care about those rules. And they would throw food at the dogs, and the dogs would hang around. There was a little dog that they named Zorro, and he was standing there at the Barclays' front door looking inside the whole time (laughs) we sat there. Had to leave the door open. He wanted to come in because they'd fed him a sandwich or something. I don't remember. You feed certain things, and they're going to stick around. I like dogs. Don't get me wrong. But Bobby Missy didn't want Zorro hanging out in their living room. Didn't want them. But he was going to hang around because he was being fed. You feed the old man. Feed the old creation. He'll stick around. And he's capable of growing. Uh, We're called to put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It's something that while we have this robe of righteousness on daily, we, we, we don't, in theory, not theory, but in, well, metaphorically again, this robe of righteousness that we put on as children of God, it's there, can't be removed, but we cover it up sometimes, right? We cover it up and put other things on over it, kind of tuck in that white, you know, tuck this in, tuck that in, make sure it's not seen perhaps, or sometimes we just, eh, we don't. Make a point of laundering it, making sure that it's visible and people can recognize who we are. Sometimes we have a difficult time putting off that old man in the moment. And we're called to do it anyway. It's part of our renovation. So, there are certain outward expressions of this renewing of one's mind. As our bodies will behave in a manner that demonstrates that our minds are being renewed. There should be evidence that our minds are being renewed. Maintained by the Lord. Expanded by the Lord. Again, remodeled if need be, but upgraded and, and deepened in faith. There should be a demonstration of that. God's people should dress like God's people. You know, we can look at all the natural things. God's people shouldn't dress like, well, like what is common. I'm not going to be an old fuddy-duddy and throw out things, but I think that it's sometimes, well, it's just common sense. Common sense, if you turn and you look at somebody, male or female, and you go, whoa, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this sort of thing. Well, I wouldn't suppose that God's people should dress that way. It's pretty common, pretty obvious. God's people should talk like they're God's people. It shouldn't be something that is just blends right into the world, I wouldn't think. God's people should treat people like, well, in a manner that makes people know. Ah, that could be a Christian, could be a child of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10. Your witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves. I like how Paul says that there. Now, it's in translation, certainly. But I like that he talks about behaving himself. My mom used to say, now, Greggy, behave. And I'm like, I am being behaved. That's what I said. You know, I didn't realize. The word was behave, not be Have. I am being have. Well, Paul was being have here. He says, Notice how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted. He demonstrates what what his behavior was. We exhorted, we comforted, we charged every one of you as a father does his own children. Now, I don't imagine that the young people that are here are going to come to me and say, Brother Craigie, I exhort you to be remodeled and renewed in the strength of your... I don't expect that they're going to exhort me in that way. It's not their position. It's not, you know, the Lord gives them liberty and directs them if they have something that they feel like they should say to me. You know, I'll take it for what it is. But you occupy your role. We can exhort one another. We can comfort, certainly we can comfort one another. We can 
charge one another, admonish as needed. Uh, you know, again, exhort, calling to, calling to action. I suppose you could say it doesn't necessarily mean you're chastising. It doesn't necessarily mean you're correcting somebody. But we can call to action one another, stirring one another up to love and good works. That's what we're called to do. That's how a, a child of God behaves and acts. Paul said himself, I'm being kind to, to you all. You all can testify to that. I'm kind, willing to fellowship with you, willing to comfort you, willing to encourage you, willing to charge and exhort any of you, like a father does, well, his children. That's what we're called to be. We're called to demonstrate that while we're being renewed in our minds day by day by the Spirit. It should be demonstrated and it should be seen. It should be easily observable as we're making progress in the Lord. As we're growing in the Lord, it should be demonstrable. And Paul expresses that in a number of different places. We don't default to snootiness. You know, we don't default to arrogance. We, we don't just reflexively become envious and competitive with other people. That's not what we're called to be. As children of God. That's not what someone with a renewed mind with their purpose on the things of God is going to demonstrate. That's not going to be their reflex and their impulse that they lean into. Uh, We don't look down our nose at the less spiritual, the less intelligent, the less anything. That's not what we're called to do. And to what end? In verse 12, Paul continues here in 1 Thessalonians. That you would walk worthy. This is why I behave this way to you. Hannah mentioned Ella. That she was... Pleased, Sarah mentioned her as well. She was pleased to see that she identified that there was, well, there's something, the, the Lord is present here. As simple as something with a key up on top of, on top of the car. But then something more so with her, with her physical need. Ella recognized that. That's why we behave the way that we do. That's why we bear testimony the way that we do. That's why we express to one another, I'm a child of God. This is what I asked him for. And this is what he gave to me. This is what I didn't ask, but what I needed, and this is what he gave to me. It's a testimony, and, and we're given to be exhorting one another, comforting one another, testifying to one another, charging and exhorting one another, as a father does his own children, is what Paul's position was. That you would walk worthy of God. You would walk in a manner that reflects for yourself what God is working in you. As I'm renewing my mind and demonstrating to you what he's doing for me, You'll reciprocate that. You'll see that and you'll grow in faith for yourself as we considered a moment ago. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now it takes effort to do that. It takes effort to bear witness of Christ sometimes. It takes effort that we don't want to make sometimes. It just is what it is. But isn't it always worthy? Isn't it always worthwhile? Isn't it always worth the effort to obey God? And bear out what he calls us to bear out. It is. Now you yourselves are to put off all of these, Paul says in Colossians 3. Colossians 3, nine. You yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, certainly, blasphemy, of course. Filthy language out of your mouth, all of these things. This is, these are evidences of his renewing our mind. These, these should be kind of no-brainers, I guess you could say. But as you incorporate it with everything else, not just the anger and the wrath and the malice and the blasphemy, but, but let me just, let's just throw down a couple of things. Arrogance, can we be arrogant without being necessarily angry, blasphemous, wrathful, malicious, filthy language? Sure we can. Can we be apathetic? Apathetic to the things of God? Apathetic to people? Apathetic to 
Well, things that should move us. Can we be hypocritical? Of course we can. Can we be uncaring? Can we look at different ones who are marginalized? Not just in society, but perhaps even right here. People who are perhaps set aside, set apart. Maybe not. Well, we can be cliquish, can't we? Kind of hitting us where we live here. I don't know if this applies to you, but if it does, think about it. Can we be uncaring to the marginalized? Can we be a jerk? I can. I can be a jerk. You can too. You know, it is what it is. Can we be immodest? Yes, we can. Can we be flat out carnal and defiling ourselves? Well, when we are such things, when we don't put off all of those things, when we don't allow the Lord as we're being renewed, if we don't put those things off, we're being dishonest one to another. He goes on in verse 9 here. He says, put off all of these things. Do not lie to one another. He's not just saying that's another thing. Also, do not lie to one another. You, it's in doing those things, in investing ourselves, in not putting those things off, we are lying to one another because we're bearing a false witness to one another because I said, I'm a child of God. I'm a minister of the word. You're a child of God. I've baptized some of you that have said, I want to make a public statement. I want to make a public statement. that Jesus has washed me clean. I have been crucified with Christ and I'm coming up. And I'm His. I want to make this public statement. I'm asking you to hold me accountable. And when we sit and we don't put off those things and we don't allow our bodies to reflect the living sacrifice that we are as the Lord renews our minds. We are being dishonest to one another since we have put off the old man and his deeds. That's what the Lord did for us when he died on the cross and we accepted him. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So when we find ourselves being a jerk, when we shouldn't be, when we find ourselves being dismissive to one that in the moment we shouldn't be dismissing them, we're lying to that one that we're insulting. We're being dishonest. We're not bearing out the true person that we are in the Lord Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. That new creation that I claim to have, he is my center. He is who I am. He is my, well, he is the real Greg Gravit is who he is. The son of a son of God. Not the one, small s. But that's who I am. That's who I claim. And that's who I need to bear out. So, some renovation is needed. Some ongoing maintenance. Perhaps I haven't stayed on top of the maintenance that is due. Now, we can certainly not allow ourselves to just go completely off the rails. We can be faithful and church attendance we can be faithful in reading our bible we can be faithful in prayer we can be faithful in listening to the lord we can be faithful in having him guide us and listen to us and maintaining ourselves so that we don't come off the rails and i'm grateful for that but there are times when sometimes a remodel needs to take place when we need to knock out some studs that have been put up that were incorrectly installed and well things are starting to lean perhaps i've let things get away from me you might say I haven't addressed it. I haven't stayed on top of the maintenance. I'm going to dime out my kid. Bye, golly. <laughs> Judah found out something was wrong with his car, and he's like, okay, I need to get this fixed. And he didn't get it fixed, and he almost blew the engine up in the thing. Thought that he had blown the engine up in, in the thing. Thankfully, we have a master mechanic back on the back row, Justin Gravit. If anyone has any problems with said vehicles, <laughs> see Justin. Anyway, uh, no advertising here. Uh, Judah didn't stay on the maintenance of it. He didn't. He'll be the first one to tell you, and he will tell you also, don't make the mistake that I did. 
Don't make the mistake of putting aside something that I should have taken care of, that should have maintained it something simple to prevent. But that being said, that engine needed to be opened up. That engine needed to have old parts removed, things that weren't in there right, and it needed to have someone who knew what they were doing install something good and do it right. That's what we find ourselves doing. I used to take care of people. Take care of people who would end up having a wound and they'd have a condition, diabetes or something something else, and they'd get a wound. You know, I can cut my arm right here in a week. Scab's going to be falling off. Really gross. Sorry. But it's going to clot. It's going to fall off. And I'm going to have some fresh, albeit a little bit pinker skin underneath. It's going to be fine. Some people don't have that luxury because they have some kind of condition that doesn't allow that wound to heal as well as mine does, perhaps. And I used to take care of such people. They'd go and they'd just do something mundane, like kick the corner of the altar right here, and it would open up a skin tear or something like that. And they'd call us two weeks later because that wound was festering and it was infected and all of that and wouldn't heal up. There's places where they take care of wounds, wound care places, because their body isn't healing itself. I'd go there and say, that's not good. That needs to be taken care of. I can bandage, I can start an IV, I can give you fluids, and we need to get you someplace where we can get you some antibiotics, IV, and you need to stay in the hospital because you're getting septic. And they would say, I'm not going to the hospital. I need to stay here with my cat, or I need to do this or that, or they'd give any other number of reasons why they needed to stay there and refuse my service. I'd take their signature, tell them they needed to be treated. They'd sign here and stay there. Two weeks later, guess what the wound did? It didn't get any better. Because they didn't maintain it. They didn't change the dressing. They didn't do anything with it. And it got, well, much, much nastier. I'll just leave it at that. They didn't stay on top of that wound. Maintenance is needed. And if you don't maintain it, sometimes the remodel is quite damaging. There were a number of people who didn't take care of themselves in those wounds and it ended up in an amputation. That was the only thing that they could do, if not something worse. Maintenance if not remodeling of this house, is absolutely crucial. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, we're not talking physical things. Bodily exercise profits a little. It doesn't say, well, it doesn't say don't take care of yourself, don't take care of your body. I think that it's good for us to do so. Bodily exercise does profit a little in the grand scheme of things. But godliness, however, spiritual maintenance, maintaining something, that the Lord has established for us, staying on that, well, that exercise regimen, regimen, spiritual exercise regimen. Godliness is profitable for everything, all things that our life contains that is anything worth containing, anything worth maintaining. Godliness is going to profit that. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. There is a maintaining of our new man that is found in godliness in letting the word permeate your thoughts in letting the spirit lead you in letting the spirit guide you in speaking to the lord and praying to him letting your joy overflow in worship that's part of your maintenance modes that's part of your regimen worship prayer and letting the lord be seen in your walk demonstrating that testifying at least in your actions and in your behaviors, as Paul said. If we don't maintain ourselves, if we let things go with time, well, it falls apart, and it can be seen. Even if we've become nose-blind to our own issues. I, I call you guys out oftentimes, it seems. Brother Jim just prayed a moment ago. Lord, search our hearts, the dark parts. 
Those parts that perhaps we don't go digging our nose into. Or perhaps, he says, things we don't even know. Perhaps there are things that we know, but we've kind of dismissed it because we've become callous to ourselves. You know those people, I hate to say it. Uh, cover your ears if you're squeamish. We walk into a house. And I knew when I would walk into a house, there's an infection in this joint. There is absolutely uh, they didn't take care of that wound, and you knew it. And you come around the corner, and sure enough, they're in bed, can't get up, and they've got a wound that's just infected big time. You know it. But they become nose blind to it. I didn't realize it was this bad, they'd say. Nose blind to their own infection. Nose blind to their own wound. We can become nose blind to our situation spiritually, getting used to the issues, getting used to the leaning walls, just propping things up as it were. Ah, let's just push something over here to keep this wall from coming in. We can become used to those things. Now, we don't have to. We don't have to remain nose blind to it because we can come to the Lord. We can ask Him, Lord, I need to know if I have become nose blind to this, if I have become callous to this, if I'm not recognizing or perhaps it simply is, Lord, I know it's there. I'm not dealing with this. We can go to the Lord and ask Him for that. Sometimes people feel like, well, like, like, well, that they need time. Let me say it that way. Some people feel like they need time. Well, man, I just, at some point I'm going to take care of this. At some point, I'm going to, well, I'll address this. It's just, it's, man, it's just been kicking my backside for some time. And at some point, I'm going to deal with this. My first marathon I ran, a woman passed by me, and that woman was over 70 years old, and she was wearing a leopard skin leotard. <laughs> and like I said, she passed me about mile 17. I never saw her again. She finished before I did. I yelled out to her, I'm like, how many times have you done this? And she's like, oh, this is my 40th one. She had a little jersey on that said 40, 40th marathon. I'm like, man, that woman's been running a long time. All of them since I was 65, she said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see you later. Never, never caught her again. She was amazing. Uh, you know what? She decided at 65, I'm going to become a distance runner. Give me a break, man. Age is, age is sometimes irrelevant. Sometimes you can wait till you're very, very old and do something remarkable. Something rather magnificent. I'll tell you what, man. I, like I said, I've run a marathon before. I don't think I'll ever run one again. She's done, had done 40 of them in her, well, her senior citizenship. Different ones will say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? You can't change me. I... I've been a grumpy old jerk. I've been a grumpy old cuss for decades. You know, I just, I am what I am. And I, the Lord's just got to deal with me. I mean, I, it just is what it is. You know, I've not been a people person for years. You know, <laughs> Paul said, how does he say it? Greet every saint. Greet, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, I have my feelings about holy kisses, you know, and I express that. You know, that I think that those are... Definitely reserved for certain situations, but let's focus on the every brother, every one of the brethren. Greet all of them. We're called to greet one another. Again, not marginalized. We're called to greet one another. Each of us should feel like each of us are involved with one another. Not in each other's business, but at least appreciated, at least loved. I've not been a people person for years. I can't start now. It's not who I am. I've been wrapped up in this sin decades it's had me wrapped up in this thing. I can't stop now. I've always been this way. I've always been this way. 
How can I change now? I've neglected the maintenance. It can't be reno- it can't be renovated now. I've heard all of those things, all of those reasons and excuses why God can't help me, why God can't help somebody, why God can't fix somebody, or that I need, oh man, I need a lot of time to be fixed here. I've heard all of those reasons for not being renewed, not being transformed. I think I'm too far gone. I'm too old to change now. I'm too weak to be different. Saints, just how incapable is God of changing you instantly how incapable is he let me answer for you he is not he's not incapable i want to wind down our lesson tonight in john chapter 11 i'm going to read a number of passages to you i think brother david went there this morning in sunday school but let's wind down with a rather familiar passage john chapter 11 there's a man named lazarus if you're not familiar with him read the story it's amazing Lazarus got sick, didn't he? Jesus received word of his illness, and he loved Lazarus so much that he sprinted to Bethany to go take care of him. No, Jesus loved Martha and Mary, uh, her sister, and Lazarus, their brother. So when he heard that he was sick, when he heard that this one, (laughs) when he heard this one that he loved was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was at. Jesus loved him so much that he let him remain sick. You know, sometimes, saints, when we have ignored the maintenance and we've allowed things to go south for us, sometimes the Lord lets us wallow. Sometimes he lets a wound fester. Sometimes he lets us just remain infected until we go to him for it. Sometimes he doesn't even wait for us to ask him to go to him. He does something remarkable and then talks with us about it later. But in this situation, he heard Lazarus was sick and he loved that man. So he said, I'm going to let him get sicker. Two days he waited. And Lazarus's body did what bodies do sometimes. Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's dead. Nevertheless, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. He says, nevertheless, let us go to him. So he let the sickness go ahead and follow through that God might be glorified in it he said you know sometimes like I said the Lord doesn't deliver you from your hang-ups immediately sometimes he doesn't just give you an instant healing an instant fixing an instant deliverance we look at Lazarus here and I don't think there's any reason to believe that his sickness came as a result of something foolish that he did I don't know that he had a wound and then just dismissed it I don't know that he did anything that was deserving of illness or something or was just you know, apathetic about it and didn't take care of himself. I don't think that there's anything that's present there that we could say that Lazarus made an error and made himself sick by any means. Sometimes the Lord just lets us remain sick. Sometimes he just lets us hurt. Sometimes he lets those around us hurt while we're dealing with those things. As we see Mary and Martha, they hurt because Lazarus was ill. Certainly. Sometimes he lets our choice not to maintain ourselves. Maintain ourselves as living sacrifices to him. Sometimes he lets those bad choices. Well, lets them follow through to substantial loss. But that doesn't mean that at any given time he can't fix us instantly. It doesn't mean that just because he might let those things go on to a certain vanishing point. To a certain point of no return seeming. That he can't in an instant, 
change us. No matter how old you are. No matter how wrapped up you've been. No matter how long I've... Man, I've been this way for... I don't, I don't know how long. There's no place that we hit until we have... Well, until we're standing before the Lord Jesus Himself that we can't say, fix. I, there's nothing I can do but trust You. And He can't do something about it. Jesus came to the tomb. My favorite part, in verse 39, Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead four days. Now suffice it to say, Martha was right. Four days is plenty long enough to know that he was dead. They knew when they put him there. Four days later, you understand, there was more than enough time for his body to be defiled in a substantial way. To be evident that he was entirely dead. You've considered this for yourself, perhaps, as you've read it. Jesus said to her, though, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And so then he prayed. Prayed to the Lord. That's what Brother David mentioned this morning. He talked to his father. He said, I know you hear me. I want these ones to know you hear me. I want them to know what you can do. And he was in tune completely with his father. And when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had been dead for four days, he who had all his blood coagulate, I'll just say it that way, he who had plenty of time for tissue necrosis to take place, he who had plenty of time for his brain to shrink up and his tissues to dry out, swelling to happen, things to happen over the course of four days, that I believe... I have no reason not to believe that Mary wouldn't be absolutely right. There was a stink there. It was completely a wreckage of his body. The Lord didn't say, I don't believe. Stop here. Stop Stop right there. You took your last breath. Okay, hold on. I'm going to put you in this stasis here. No, four days happened and he was allowed to wallow and defile and be foul. And it didn't matter. Squat to the Lord Jesus. Didn't matter a bit. Come forth. And all of a sudden, coagulated blood was fluid. All of a sudden, lungs were moist again. All of a sudden, his brain was expanded again. Here came Lazarus, wrapped up in grave clothes. And the Lord said, cut him off. Release him and let him come. That one who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. It wasn't too late for the Lord to do something. It wasn't too late. Four days dead. I've seen four days dead people. They don't come back. Except when the Son of God is present. He can say what He chooses and He can fix. Saints, if He can revitalize a four days dead body, He can take your 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 70, 80 year old mind. Your 80 year old heart. Your however old you are habits. And he can change them just like that and revitalize you spiritually as he renews your mind. Do I dare suppose that he can't loose me from my intellect and my understanding and my judgment, my perceptions and my opinion, my sentiment and my mind, my sin, wounds, spiritual hesitations, all of those things, anything else that might hinder him from renovating my mind? No, I don't dare. Tell him, you can't remove these grave clothes from me. I don't dare tell him that. Daniel answered and said in Daniel 2 and verse 20, 
just going to close with this passage here. I like how he says it. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons and the hearts and the minds and the situations and the circumstances. He changes all of these things as He desires to. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things and all those things in the dark places that we don't like to go. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with Him. doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter the time you've spent in grade, whether it's old, whether it's young. doesn't matter your time in sin. doesn't matter your habits, your mindsets. It doesn't matter any of those things. None of them are sufficient excuse for not allowing Him to change you, to renovate you, to remodel you as He needs. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing, the renovation of your mind. Maintain that mind, certainly, but when the Lord needs to overhaul something, you let Him, child of God, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. His work isn't limited by anything but your willingness to be worked on. So let Him work, child of God. Amen.